goodness. Thank you, God, for your sovereignty. Thank you, God, that you are always there in the midst of difficult situations. Thank you for just being who you are and sometimes bringing us through those things so we can rely on you more heavily so that we can just get to know you deeper, Lord. You crave to know us, for us to know you deeper um, because you know that that is where the ultimate spring of life is, Lord. Thank you for everything that you do for us. Be with John as he brings the message. Be with us as we clear the clutter from just everything that's at the front of our minds, Lord, so that we can really, really soak up what you have in store for us today, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Next Saturday, um, 10 o'clock, our men's ministry uh, celebrates one year, correct? And so 10 o'clock next Saturday, if you're uh, able, the men's ministry will meet uh, downstairs or up in the gym. Downstairs? Downstairs in the fellowship hall. Let me, uh, <coughs> if you have your Bible, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We kind of looked at verses 1 through 3 last week, but uh, we're going to really focus in on 4 through 9 uh, this morning. But let, let me open up with a question. <coughs> How many of you, um, there, there's just, there's days where you just don't feel it when it comes to grace and and the gifts of God and the goodness of God. There's days that we do, right? There's days we wake up and it's like I'm I'm not I'm not doing this, right? I mean, there are, there are those days. For some of us, some of those days are um, are longer than others or more often than others, but th those are days that are real for us. There are days where I feel like um, I just I can't keep this up. But the benefit of, of this is, and why we're studying 1 Corinthians is this. There are days where we really don't feel that and they're, they're, because that's what happens in life. But you and I are still saints of God. Amen? Let me, let me try that a little bit. Uh, let's try that again. You and I, if we're believers in Christ Jesus, are called saints. Amen? Better. <laughs> Hopefully I won't put you to sleep as we're already half asleep. I'm just kidding. Uh, no, we, we are saints. As a matter of fact, the word saint is used more often uh, than the word Christian uh, in, in, in the scriptures, in, in the New Testament when it comes to the original language. The word saint is there and Paul calls this church at Corinth a church of, of saints even though life is messy for them they don't get a lot of things right <coughs> even though there, there are some things that are going on within this church Paul calls them saints Paul calls them that because that is now the position they have in Christ you and I are, are born into a different position as a matter of fact there are really two positions that we have in our lives the first position is the one that we are born into and that is the position of sinful humanity we're born there because of Genesis chapter 3 because Adam and Eve um, disobeyed and now we are the children of Adam and Eve and so so we have we're born into that and we earn it right all of us have earned the, the position of sinfulness correct we're experts at that so often right 
we, we are. But the good news is that God did not leave us with that as the only position. The second position that, that God has allowed us to come into, and it's a gift, is the position of being a saint. And that position only comes when what? We give our lives to Christ Jesus, right? And when we give our lives to Christ Jesus, the position one, the sinful position, doesn't completely go away, does it? We still live, what, in the, in the flesh, right? We still have those kind of things. We, we still have the flesh around us. We still have the flesh of the mind. <coughs> we have those kind of things going on. But in this new position, we begin to, to journey on a road called sanctification. Sanctification is a big theological word, which simply means that we are becoming more like Christ. We are being sanctified. We are being transformed. Uh, Paul says it this way in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1 and 2. He says this. <coughs> Excuse me. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in the view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good pleasing and perfect will of God this is a great definition of sanctification it's God through the Holy Spirit and, and through our diligent work of, of studying his word opening it up looking at it marking it up mark letting it mark our lives up that transform our minds and our hearts and our souls heard it said by many of, of older pastors that most of the time a marked up Bible means a marked up life. Marked up Bible means a marked up life. And that's because we're in it, right? Even when life gets messy, we're in it. And so what Paul is saying here to this church is this. As he opens up this letter to them, he opens up with a word of encouragement. There's going to be things in this letter that aren't very encouraging to, to the church. There's some messy things that Paul's going to deal with. But, but what he wants them to know early on is that he is thankful for them and that they have this position of being in Christ. And say, I think that's important for us to understand that we live in a messed up world, right? It became very real to, to me and, and my family this week, um, the messed up of, of, of the world. On Tuesday night, normally on Tuesday nights, right now I'm teaching a class on the Holy Spirit downstairs. On Tuesday nights, I normally drop Sadie off to Katie at Silverdale. Say that a couple times and you'll get Sadie and Katie mixed up. It happens all the time with me. But I drop Sadie off normally to, to Katie. But Tuesday night, I, because I'm suffering this head cold kind of stuff, I, I'm out of cough drops. I, I need to run home, get a little bit more Advil cold medicine, and, and get some more cough drops. Because uh, I've got three hours of teaching, and I, I need to make sure I've got a voice. <coughs> and so, so, that, so Tuesday night, I decided to go home early. So I left the office a little early, and, and I headed to the house, and I'm going to throw some pizzas in the oven, and, I'm gonna, and we're going to cook dinner, and I'm going to go get jet. And, and on Tuesday night, we're going to get to eat together, and then I'm going to go to class. 
Well, all went to plan up to about 5.15 when I was getting ready to, to leave the house. And at 5.15, my phone goes off as I'm <coughs> in the bedroom kind of, you know, making sure I've got everything together and, and getting ready to head out the door. My neighbor, Mike, calls and says, hey, um, I want you to know that there is police cars outside of our, our house with, uh, with AR-15s pointed at another house. Um, what are you on there, Mike? So I look out the window, and there is a sheriff's deputy within, from here to that door, his car with an AR-15 pointed up the road. Now let me say this, the most excitement that my neighborhood has had in the five years we've lived there is unfortunately a house burned, if you remember, a couple years ago before Christmas. Other than that, my neighborhood is as quiet as a mouse. Literally, I mean, my neighbor's kids play out in the front yard. My kids play out in the front yard. It's just a quiet neighborhood. Our next-door neighbor, Jackie, she and her daughter are walking around the neighborhood. Our neighbors walk around all the time. Well, evidently, while we were eating dinner, there was a murder-suicide within 65 yards of my my driveway if you saw it on the news that was my neighborhood that transforms the way you think about your neighborhood doesn't it I tried to come and teach and it just it wasn't going to work but what I learned in that this week is this that even in the messiness of life, I am thankful for being in Christ Jesus. And I've got a messy neighborhood that I thought was clean. And it's not messy because of this action. It's messy because we are sinners and we live in it. And so I, I was just reminded this week of why I need to realize in the messiness of life that I am a saint of God. How many of you have had messy situations in your life like that during a week and said, you know what, I need to be reminded that I am a saint of God? We do, we do right? Even so, Because when we come to rough parts of Scripture where it points out our sin, we need to be reminded of that. Let me close with this part of my introduction, not closing the sermon, but closing this part of the introduction. Throughout my years in ministry and involvement in the church, I've come across a great number of followers of Christ, and, and all of you are a part of that. And all of them are saints, and all of them love Jesus Christ. But that there have been a few in my life that have stuck out. One of those people that stuck out in my life is a lady named Nyrell Castle. Kyle will, will know her well. Nyrell Castle was a member of First Baptist Church, Hill, and she was there uh, for, for many, many, many years. She passed and went to be with the Lord a few years ago. But Miss Nyrell, from the first day that I got to First Baptist Church, Hill, loved on Katie and I. Miss Nyrell was this lady who just, it, just, you saw Christ within her, the way she smiled, the way she loved, the way she encouraged. She couldn't see real well. Um, but she still drove often. 
As a matter of fact, there were some train tracks that you had to go over to, to get from her house to the church. It has been said that Miss Nyrell would go so fast over the train tracks that there would be some air between her tires and the road. Miss Nyrell only knew two speeds, stop and full speed ahead. But one thing about Miss Nyrell that I loved is that she took young ladies within the church and she, she would bring them to her house and she would show them how to cook her famous peanut brittle. She took Katie over and showed her, and she, she, would, she would buy some things for you, like the thermometer and those kind of things, and, and she would show you how to make that. She would invest in young ladies and say, you know what, when I'm gone, these are things that our church and our generation needs to, to pass on. Not only would that, but she would, she would make hats. She would knit hats and take them to, to the children's hospital so when babies are born, guess what they would have? Homemade hats. Miss Nyrell understood something. Life wasn't always easy. Because, again, she, she had macular degeneration and she just really couldn't see, but she realized something. God was gifting her and had gifted her and blessed her, and she was going to use it until the day she no longer could use it. We would call Miss Nyrell a saint, would we not? Why? Because I think she understood the passage that we're going to look at this morning. Let your eyes follow First Corinthians chapter four, verse one, or chapter one, excuse me, verse four <coughs> through nine. We're going to look at the first few verses here again. I always thank my God for you because of the grace of God given to you in Christ Jesus, that you were enriched in Him in every way, in all speech and in all knowledge. In this way, the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you. The first thing I want us to see this morning is this, that, that we are rich in grace. Look, look what he says again here that in verse 4. I always thank my God for you because of the grace of God given to you in Christ Jesus. We are rich because of grace. You, you, you and I have been blessed because of grace. Grace is something that is unmerited favor. Matter of fact, I think Teresa... Uh, posted something about that this morning on Facebook, did you not? That, that grace is something that we do not deserve. It's unmerited, which means that, that we can't earn it. We don't, we don't deserve it. But God gives us that. And what, what, what Paul is saying here to this church is this. Church, hey, God has richly blessed you with grace. You did not deserve it, but God has given it to you. As a saint of God, that's something we need to be reminded of, right? When a Tuesday afternoon happens and, and you, see, you see destruction happen, we need to be reminded that God has given us grace, right? I, I was quickly reminded that what would have happened if my kids had been out front? And a stray bullet would have come. I mean, I don't want to go too bad and cause Katie and I to cry, but God's grace was there, Amen. God's grace is we, we didn't hear any shots. So, so a few years from now, guess what? My kids will not remember an, an incident. And so God graces us with things. God gives us that, and we, we live in that. <clears throat> and in that, he says this. Look at verse 5. He says this. That, that not only does he grace us, but in, in verse 5 he says that you were enriched. It means he is ongoing, this, this ongoing thing of, of grace in every way, 
He says this, you have grace in every way. You and I have been graced in all ways, right? Is everybody following? Yes, no, are we asleep? We're following, all right. We've been given grace in all areas, right? But then he goes on to say this. He goes, always you've been given grace. And then he outlines two ways that the church needs to, to live these out. Oh, Lord, let my voice stay for just another few minutes. Catch this. He says this. Not only have they given in all ways, but then he goes to this. In all speech, in all knowledge. We are rich in grace in all ways, in every way. But he outlines two areas. Why these two areas? Because these are two areas that I think we struggle in the most and we need the most grace and we need to give the most grace. The first area is this. <coughs> is in all speech. What does Paul mean here? What, what is Paul talking about? Why is he saying this? Well, we know that if you read this through the rest of 1 Corinthians, you begin to understand they had a speech problem. That they, they got into tongues and other kind of things began to have a problem. The way they talked to each other and the way they treated each other by their mouths was, was going to be an issue that Paul was going to deal with. And what Paul wanted them to know early on as he's saying, hey, I am thankful for you. I'm thankful for your speech. I'm thankful for your knowledge. I'm thankful for everything you are. He wants them to know <coughs> that there's grace in that. And he wants them to understand something. And it's this, because of the gospel of Christ, the way we talk changes. We really got silent. Because of Christ, the way we talk should change. James says it this way in James chapter 2. He says that the tongue, it cannot be double-edged. We can't just praise out of one side and then curse or blasphemy or do that on the other side. But what do we do? Out of one side, we do what? We sung praises just a little while ago, Right? But how many of us today, I'm not asking you to raise your hand because I think most of us would have to raise our hands, but today we will say something that's not so nice, will we not? Same day, something positive and something negative. That's one thing I can say about Miss Nyrell. I never heard her say something against anybody or anything. She may have, but I never heard it. What Paul's saying here is this, language matters. <coughs> Let me point out a few things here. What he's saying here is, let's not tolerate bad-mouthing each other. Let's make sure that we're not using words of vulgarity. But let's speak more of praise and prayer. Let's communicate the grace of Christ and not the curse of sin. Paul is reminding them that, that their mouths matter. And you say, how do you know that's what he's saying? Because I read the rest of First. Corinthians and they would have sat down and they would have read this whole book in in one setting and so as Paul welcomes them and greets them here he's saying this God has given you such great grace in the way that you speak that you you have speech you're able to communicate 
Second thing he points out is this, in all knowledge, he, he says this, in all speech, in all knowledge, you've, you've been given grace. And what Paul's talking about here is it's just the way we think, the, the way we interact with each other. It's, it's not thinking negatively. It's not thinking on the bad. It's not thinking on those things that, that are harmful, but it's thinking on the things that are positive. It's thinking on the right kind of things. What Paul wants us to remind, be reminded of is, is the way we think. Paul says that, again, in Romans chapter 12, that their minds are what? Transformed. And so what he's saying here is the, the knowledge that we have is, is transformed. We now think about Christ. Our minds are set on him, not, not the things of the flesh. Our decisions are about Christ and, and Christ alone. My thinking, I pray, becomes more like the kingdom and less like myself. I'll give you an example of this. The book of Ruth, in Ruth chapter 1, as, 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 as Ruth's father-in-law and her husband die, who is Ruth thinking more about, Naomi or herself? Naomi. Was that because Ruth's mind was, was that of a, a Moabite woman, or was that because God was transforming Ruth's mind? Because God was transforming Ruth's mind, even early on. Even, listen, in the messiness of that situation, when Naomi says, you know what, I'm done. I want to be called Mara. I, disaster has come upon my life. Nothing good is going to else come. Ruth, the Moabite <coughs> woman, sees the goodness of God in all of this. Says, you know what, Naomi, I'm going to go with you. Your God's going to become my God. Your people are my people, and I'm going to follow you, and I'm going to care for you. Even when Naomi says, go home and take care of yourself, she says, no. That's having the knowledge and mind of Christ. <clears throat> I love this quote by Jerry Bridges. Our worst days are never so bad that you're beyond the reach of God's grace. And your best days are never so good that you're beyond the need of God's grace. And so... Here in this chapter, what do we see? First of all, that, that God gave them grace. There's a gift of grace. And Paul was thankful for that. Guess what? I am thankful for the grace that God has given you as a congregation. It's not always easy, is it? There are some Sundays where it's much easier to get here. There are some Sundays where, where it seems like everybody is really on board and really focused in on Christ. There are other Sundays... But guess what? It, it's a work, is it not? It's a work in progress. But guess what? It doesn't matter how, how full we are or how not full we are. It's going to be a work in progress. Why? Because God's grace says we're a work in progress. that makes sense? Secondly, and, and quickly, I don't want to bore everybody, is this. We are, we are rich with gifts. How many like gifts? Christmas is coming up, right? You, who wants a good gift for Christmas? Lexi, you already got your Christmas gifts ready. You know what you want? I'm, I'm sure Jet will, will, could start a list and it would be seven pages long. Abigail can do the same. Jamar, and you're ready for Christmas, right? 
You're the only child, so he's he's gonna wrap up on the gifts. <clears throat> yeah, we we love gifts, right? We some of us love to give gifts, right? The older you get, the more you like to even give gifts, right? And and so, but but we are rich in gifts. Look what Paul writes to the church here in verse six. He says, "In this way, the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you do not lie, lack any spiritual gifts." as you eagerly await for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. This was a church that didn't lack any kind of spiritual gifts. You said, wait a minute, what, what, what does he mean by spiritual gifts? I'm glad you asked that question. He means this, when you and I come to Christ, we are gifted in something. Did you know that? You, you're given a spiritual gift when you come to Christ. It's not your natural talent. Because natural talents are what? Biological, they're natural, right? You, you, can, you can work at those, right? And you can work at spiritual gifts, but, but they're just natural. Spiritual gifts are not things that are natural. I'll give you an example. I love examples. I love personal examples. A personal example for me is, spiritual gift for me is not speaking. Our spiritual gift is for me is speaking, sorry. Because guess what? I'm an introvert. Guess what I hate doing? Talking to people. So, but God has given me the gift of, of, of spiritual gift of teaching and exhortation. Every one of you in the room is given a gift. And it's given at the moment of your salvation. And what I love about this is what Paul is saying is this, is this there's no lack of gifts. Matter of fact, guess what? We don't have a lack of. Spiritual gifts, right? If God wants to do something with our congregation, and he does, he has given people here what? The gifts to do that, right? He's given us the gifts to do everything we need to do. He's given gifts to, to teach. He's given gifts to serve. He's given gifts of encouragement. He's given all kinds of gifts. And these are great gifts. These are greater than any Christmas gift that you can ever get. These are gifts that are the benefit of others. When we receive a Christmas gift, it's for what benefit? Our benefit, right? But you and I are given spiritual benefits for the benefit of others and for the church, not for yourself. And Paul's going to deal with that later on. But what he's saying here is, is you, church, are gifted. Now use it. I love this quote by by Rick Warren. If others don't use their gifts, you're cheated. And if you don't use your gift, they get cheated. Let me read that again because that, I think, summarizes us. Can I just be honest? This summarizes us. If others don't use their gifts, you get cheated. How many feel cheated when somebody, you know, somebody has a gift, but they don't use it? Right? We do. If you need something done on your car and somebody has a gift of mechanics, but they don't want to use it for the, for the help of others, do you feel what? Cheated. But if you don't use your gift, then guess who else gets cheated? Everybody else. What a truth. What a challenge to us. 
I don't want us to be cheated. I don't want us to cheat each other. But here's what I think is happening in a church in America. I think this is happening in a church in Chattanooga. I think this is happening at White Oak Baptist Church. I think this is happening at Access. We are cheating each other by not using our spiritual gifts. All right, quiet. Because how many believe I'm, I'm, I'm fruitful here? We, we are. You say, well, John, what is my spiritual gift? Well, that's a good question. Guess what? There are people in this room that can help you figure out what your spiritual gift is. But more than even people, there is a book called the Bible. You have it in your laps. If not, I'll get you one that tells you what the spiritual gifts are. Matter of fact, Paul outlines them multiple times in his writings. They're the things that you have now a passion for. Tom. Tom loves to serve. Do you not, Tom? Tom does not want to be pointed, pointed out. Matter of fact, he probably hates this right here. <clears throat> but Tom is great behind the scenes. If I need something done, I know I can call Tom and it will get done. But Mickey's the same way. Others are the same way. They're, they're gifted. They like to be behind the scenes. They're just gifted in that. Or, or Carrie, on the other hand, is a little bit more outgoing, right, Carrie? She's not kind of the quiet person, is she? she she's really good at what? She's really good at encouraging people. Guess what one of the spiritual gifts is? Encouragement. All of you have a spiritual gift. So let's use them. Let's not cheat each other. And here's what I believe will happen. Because it's to the benefit of the church, if we all start using our spiritual gifts, this will be such a vibrant place for the kingdom, no matter how many people are here or not here, that people will see the glory of Christ because we are benefiting in each other. Thirdly and finally, Paul says this to the church. This is a benefit of being a saint. Verse 9, God is faithful. You were called by him into fellowship <coughs> with his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. We are rich with God's promises. I love what Penny said a while ago because it is absolutely true. God's promises will never fail, but how many times do we say, God, are you going to come through with this? We ask that all the time to God, right? God, I know you've never met, uh, failed me, but, but this next time, are, are you, 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 are you going to fail me? We ask that knowing that God is faithful. What, what Paul is encouraging this church is this. Is, Man, church, you are rich in the promises of God. God is faithful. You and I can live in those promises. That God is going to, to take care of us. That, that means that, guess what? That doesn't mean that bad things won't happen. It just means that when bad things happen, God carries us through those things, right? All of us have had bad things happen, right? But God carries us through those things. God, God provides the light in the midst of the darkness. God's faithful. But are we living out those things? This sermon is to the church. Because we are benefits of, uh, 
of, of the sainthood because of Christ. And so as I close, I want, I want to challenge us, and I want to bring us into a, a time of commitment. Well, let's remember that, that God has given grace to every single person in this room, right? If you're a believer in Christ, you have been given grace, and you're richly blessed in that. And guess what we need to do? If we see somebody that is richly blessed in grace, guess what we do? As a church, we, we celebrate with them when, when God is doing something. We, we walk with them. Right? We, we encourage them. Here's one of the things that I think is happening in, in, in a younger generation. There's no encouragement of each other. And there's, there's, there's no... They, all they hear is everything is bad, right? Lexi, can I ask you a question? Do you hear most adults say everything is bad, right? There, there's no good in, in your generation, right? You hear that you hear all the time, right? But that's not true, is it? God has gifted them. The, the, God is being good to them. What they need to hear is, is people encouraging each other, and we have grace. The reason young people leave the church is, guess what? They see the church not giving grace to each other. Not caring for each other. Not building relationships with each other. You know what? God never intended one church to be more about young people and another church to be about old people. Did you know that? That's not a natural thing. It's unhealthy on both ends. Did you know that? Because a church full of young people doesn't have what in it? Wisdom, old people, who've walked through what? Life, right? But, it, but guess what? An old church doesn't have what in it? Youth who can do what? Things, right? Now, we're kind of blessed here, even though we're a smaller congregation. We have a mixture of people, do we not? But guess what we need to do better as a mixture of people? Give more grace, and secondly, use our spiritual gifts. Jamarian's a new believer. Within the last year, he's come to Christ, right? Jamarian has a gift, a spiritual gift. Guess whose responsibility it is to teach him about his spiritual gift and help him mature in it? Older men. But how many older men? I'm just going to point us out. I'm getting ready to get into our Wheaties. How many older men are actually pouring into Jamarian's life? I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm asking a question. Lexi is a new believer, baptized in summer camp. How many, who is supposed to disciple her? Older women. How, how many older women are pouring into their lives? There's others that are in here in the building. When the Dodgers are here, I know that their grandmothers and grandfather are believers. But it takes more than family pouring into these kids' lives. It is our responsibility. You, you are given the gift. What I hope is when Jet comes to Christ, guess what? I hope somebody like Roy Stevens begins to pour into my son's life. Why? Because he needs more than dad. And, and we are gifted and we are cheating people out of it. And so this morning, I want to challenge you. you. You have a gift, guess what this morning? Beginning to use it. Don't feel guilty that you haven't used it for the last 20 years or 5 years, whatever it is. Just start using it. And thirdly, just realize this, that you and I have the promises of God, and guess what? 
There's no worries that, that the doors of the church are going to close or bad things are going to happen because guess what? God has a promise and his church will continue. I don't worry about whether we're going to succeed or fail anymore. You know why? Because God says that he is faithful and his word will continue on. And so for me, it's become more than just, are we going to make it or are we not going to make it? I want to encourage us this morning that, that because of God, we are going to, to make it. God is faithful. If we will use our gifts and we will do what he does, guess what will happen? We will see the kingdom grow. So this morning, where are you at? We come to time to, to sing and close. Where are you at? Are you using your gifts or are you not? There's some people here that, um, at least I think one's going to join officially this morning. I'm going to point him out. Kyle. <laughs> How many thought Kyle was already a member of the church? Most people did. Guess what? He really is. Because he, guess what he's been for the last five years. But we're going to make it official. I don't know why we have to do that. There's others. I don't know. I'm not going to point Rachel out. Can I point? I got, hey, Vicki and Henry, I see you two up there too. There are others. God wants to use your gifts. So as we respond, I don't know who's, are you leading? Let, let's respond and say, you know what? I want to use my gift for God, whatever it is. And if you need to come to Christ, come to Christ this morning. If you need to join, here's all the membership does for you. You know what it does? It says, I'm committed to that place. And I'm going to walk with them and I'm going to help them by using my gifts. That's all it means. Yeah, you get a vote on some stuff, but whoop-de-doo. I mean, be honest. I, I like the commitment level better. I'm committed to saying I'm part of this. And so let's pray and let's, let's, let's make a commitment. Father, I ask you to, to be with us as we respond to your word. That you just, just be with us. I thank you for the encouragement of your, of your word this morning that, that, that Paul wrote to this, this church that was really messy, but, but he wrote and said, you know what, I am thankful for you. I'm thankful for the grace that you have, the gifts that you have, the goodness you have, uh, the faithfulness of God. So God, I pray that that, that would be us this morning, that, that we would hear that word, that, that, that God, that, that we are uh, full of grace here because you are our Lord. And that, Christ, that you have given us gifts of spiritual nature, that the Holy Spirit, that you live with inside of us and you've gifted everyone in this room to, to do something very special. And, Father, that you, you, you are good and your promises are really, really good. And so, Father, we thank you for that. Thank you for the encouraging word this morning. Father, as we respond in song to your word, may we respond with joyful hearts. In Christ's name, amen. <coughs> If y'all want to stand, you can. Falling on my knees in worship, giving all I am to seek your face. Lord, all I am is yours. My whole life I place in your hands. God of mercy.
rescue and I I wanna be where you My whole life I place in your hands. God of mercy, humbled I bow down. In your presence at your throne. I called, you answered. And you came to my rescue and I, I want to be where you are. In my life, be lifted high in our world, be lifted high in our love, be lifted high. In my life, be lifted high in our world, be lifted high in our love, be lifted high. I called, you answered, and you came to my rescue and I. I want to be where you are. Okay, maybe seated, and Rachel, if you come on up. I, I went ahead and asked them. So, uh, Rachel and Kyle this morning are, are coming forward to say, I want to be a part of here. Amen? How, how many love to hear that? Amen. Um, anybody else that, that's not a member, we'd love for you to be a part of this. And, and, and we're going to have a chance to come by and shake their hands and, and love on them. We already do that. Um, but secondly, um, i got some even better news. than, than This is great news, but even better. Because of our partnership with William and Mary Academy, one young man uh, last week gave his life to Christ. And... Uh, we're, we're, we're going to, and because of our involvement, uh, Becky has asked me to do a, a baptism for him. And, uh, and his family's not involved in the church, and so guess what that gives us an opportunity to do? To pour into this young man and his family and so that he can come into, um, so he can, they can come here and they can grow and become a part of something really good. And that's awesome, is it not? And so God is working, God is working in our ministry, in our midst, and so um, that, that's because of our faithfulness to say, yes, God, you've gifted us with something and we want to use it. And so um, our ushers come down, our, our offering guys, whatever they're called, <laughs> money takers, tax collectors. <laughs> I don't think you want me to call a tax collector. A good friend of mine says this is the church tax. And so, Jeremy, will you pray for our, our uh, church tax?
couple of just 